it's your death sentence for this week. Um, this is a podcast um, where we attempt to um, tear down all forms of oppression and hierarchy so that uh, the world can come together as one and uh, listen to death metal and read weird books together. And we got a really good book this week. Like, so good. So, so good. And I've got two really cool guests to talk about it. Uh, making her second appearance on the show uh, from Unwinnable Magazine and Brooklyn, New York, weighing in at a weight that I'm not going to ask because I'm polite, <laughs> um, is Deirdre Coyle. Woo! Cheering. Right, I'm gonna, I'll dub in like tons of applause there. It's going to be great. It's going to be like when, when Fonzie enters the room. Love it. Um, why don't you, in case people haven't listened to uh, the classic uh, Pisces episode, um, you tell people about yourself. Uh, sorry. I. <laughs> it, it always catches me off guard, even when I know it's coming, that I have to talk about myself. Um, so I'm Deirdre Coyle. I'm a writer. Uh, I'm a goth. I live in Brooklyn. I uh, write a column about fictional companions and goth concerns for unwinnable magazine. Mm -hmm. Um, and I work as a digital producer at publishers weekly and, um, I'm working on a book about goth. Nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> like, uh, fiction, nonfiction. Um, it's a memoir history hybrid. Nice. <gasps> I'm going to read the hell out of that. And I'm 100% that. in. When can we do that <laughs> podcast? Yeah, what's coming out? Hopefully not, hopefully not too long. I mean, who knows? I just have to sell it first, you know? No big deal. If you need a UK agent, I know a guy. Um, <laughs> he's going to be on the podcast soon, actually. And, um, oh, sweet. Also, in the hot seat, from the balmy swamps of Louisiana, in the bayou... Mon cher. Um, yeah, I, I learned how to um, speak a very authentic yeah. Cajun accent through wow. um, Gambit in the old X-Men cartoons. It was pretty uh... Well, that was, that was actually way better than all the actors on True Blood, so, like, way to go. Oh, yeah, I mean, they just... I mean, low bar, sure. Strengths. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this is Christine Kelly, and she runs an awesome record label. Uh, so why don't you tell people about you? Sure. So I am Christine Kelly. I run uh, Tridroid Records, and um, I just moved to the swamps of Louisiana. You say Louisiana here, by the way. Um, I just moved here from Brooklyn, uh, and yeah, I run Tridroid Records, which has been on a bit of a hiatus um, and is now going to be reactivated uh, starting this week. And um, mostly I've just been like tweeting too. So at Tridroid Records is my handle. And I tweet mostly about like, you know, feminist, queer shit. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's cool. Yeah. And, and also music because oh, I yeah. probably should. So. <laughs> really should, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and we've got some of that good feminist queer shit to read this week. Um, it's a book called The Mere Wife. It's by Maria Devana Headley. 
who I'd never heard of before. Like, I'd, I don't even quite know how I discovered this book. And um, it turns out she's really awesome and cool. And she has a Old English word tattooed on her arm and in huge letters. And I don't know if you guys saw that picture she tweeted out earlier today. Yeah, she, she even called out the awesome tattoo artist who, who did that. And um, I thought it was pretty genius. But that is some intense black work. Like that I know. had to have taken that. Yeah, I, I got like a semi-sleeve done and it killed me. But that would have taken multiple sessions and it looks great if um, it you... does look great that, that black is just like nice and shiny and like oh it looks good i need to look this up ah yeah it's on her twitter thing okay and uh yes the book is a well why didn't one of you guys uh talk about it like like pick one of you to give a synopsis <laughs> I think Christine. Um, oh, thanks. Okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, so it is an amazing feminist kind of retelling of Beowulf, um, and it features uh, at at its core, rather than the original featuring like two male uh, characters and one particular male protagonist, um, it features multiple characters. Uh, most a lot of I mean the two main ones are women. Um, and protagonist is a little more murky in this instance, so. Hmm, very much so. Yeah. So if... Does, does that work? I mean, honest, honestly, feminist retelling of Beowulf, like, yeah. 100% in already. It's enough for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, you think, do you think enough people have, like, heard of Beowulf that we don't need to, like, summarize Beowulf? Like I was... I was wondering because I wasn't sure because I like I talked to my wife about this and I know in the U.S. we all read that like at least once in school. But mm -hmm. I think... okay, we're, we're gonna assume people know roughly the story. There's a monster beating up people in a pub. A guy comes along, kills the monster. That's that's more or less it's it. A then he... well, it's, it's, a... A, it's a beer hall. I, I... I'm I'm translating into. It's a I'm doing I'm doing my own I translation. I think all of this sense is like a like a long haul, right? Well, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm putting my own spin on this, just like um, I was going to say Your that was actually... retelling. Yeah, yeah let's do Beowulf the... in a pub. <laughs> it's the, the British retelling of, of Beowulf. It's just like yeah, they go in to to weather spoons. They have some witty banter. Sit down. <laughs> Uh, drink some Fosters, <laughs> curry club, fiver for a curry, then go home and they probably end up vomiting in my um, letterbox like that guy the other day. <laughs> nice. That okay. is the most British evening. I love it. It is, yeah. yeah. Football did not come home, but it came home to my house. Yeah. Um, oh. um, yeah, so... I think I mentioned this book is fucking fantastic. So, um, Deirdre, why don't you tell people why it's fantastic? Ooh. Okay. Well, uh, one of many things that's fantastic about it is that uh, it sets Beowulf 
in the suburbs, but in very creepy, very creepy suburbs, uh, creepy, wealthy suburbs. And um, one of my favorite, so the, the chapters are narrated uh, by, well, no, that's not right. The chapters follow different characters. And one of my favorite threads in the book is following the mothers of this wealthy suburb. And it's told in kind of this, uh, like a chorus. And um, it's basically about how the mothers and these this older generation of women are kind of controlling everything that happens in their neighborhood. Um, and it controls... They control everything the men are doing and everything women are doing and they know everything. And it's like, it's, it's kind of scary, but it's really interesting. Um, that was one of my yeah. favorites. I love those chapters. Cause it reminded me of like the furies or the fates, you know, yeah. uh, who are like pulling the strings in the background and act as one, but are like separate. And um, I don't know. It reminded me of Shakespeare and, I don't know, Zena. Zena, <laughs> yes. Uh, this is referring to the warrior princess of um, early morning uh, fame, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, there, uh, I think there's a uh, in Norse mythology, uh, Norns are yeah, those are the fates. Mm-hmm. Those are the fates in Norse mm-hmm. mythology, right? Mm-hmm. And there are also fates in Greek. They they're the ones with the eyeball in. Um, Clash of the Titans, which is where I've got ninety nine percent of my knowledge of Greek mythology, from. <laughs> and not even the original Clash of the Titans. I mean, like the the Sam Worthington f- version. Uh, wait, what? <laughs> wait, was that something that happened? That was like a few years ago, right? Like oh, that yeah. was recent. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I missed that entirely. I know the I one with too. the like mechanical owl. I think, or yeah. was that something else? Okay. Yeah, that was the, that no, was the I love that one. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So yes, I've I've had the benefits of classical education. <laughs> we all have. I mean, we just integrate it with our pop culture experience too. Yeah. I just wrote a video game column about a gorgon, so you know, oh. I was thinking about Medusa a lot. I was thinking about Clash of the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. But yeah, I love the the how the narration of the chapters switches up. Um, but it's uh, kind of it's very clear like who you're in the mind of pretty quickly. Um, but I mean, of all the perspectives, definitely the dog was my favorite. Uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. he was so a good one boy. chapter. But that was that was I think. That was when I told my wife, like, oh, my God, this book is amazing. There's a chapter <laughs> narrated by a dog. <laughs> yeah. It's done very well. It, that could have come off, that could have worked really badly if you'd been, like, too much we, we, rate, we rate dogs about it. But uh, that, um, <laughs> yeah. that chapter just worked really well. It didn't come off as hokey or cute at all. It was oh. just like... It was just a very yeah. authentic uh, description of a dog's mental processes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was honestly a pretty amazing addition to the book. Yeah. But the dog, um, a good boy though he is, um, was not as important a character as uh, 
Dana, um, who takes the place of uh, Grendel's mother in this book, or Willa, who I guess is King Hrothgar's queen wife. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because um, her her name was also translated from the from Beowulf too. Okay. It was like uh, it was longer, but it started with a W. Right. Okay. Yeah, the characters have basically names uh, inspired by their mythological incidents, and some of them, like Ben Wolf, are kind of obvious. But I have to say that I felt really dumb when I was reading. It took me like Ben Wolf show had shown up like a couple times before I made that connection, and I was like. Oh, 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 it's Beowulf. Okay, got it. <laughs> but I was so absorbed in the story, I, like, didn't even notice at first. I kept waiting for him to show up, though, because I, like, you know, he doesn't come in until, you know, a, a bit into the book. Yeah. And so I kept going on, like, well, who, wait, where, which character is Beowulf? And then it's so yeah. obvious that you're like, oh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. yeah. See, I was yeah. thinking that, yeah. I was thinking there just wouldn't be a Beowulf. I, I, I heard a feminist retelling of Beowulf, and I thought, like, the most feminist thing was be just to, n- to not have a Beowulf in it. Just be all yeah. about the women in the story. And I, I wasn't expecting him to turn up. So when he did, I was like, right. I, I laughed. And that was a, a funny moment when Ben Wolf turns up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His is... first chapter is amazing. It's just him, like, assessing himself for a bit, right? Yeah, he's he's just like yeah. flexing in front of a mirror, and he's like he's like uh, <laughs> he's in his forties. He's he's been an Olympic swimmer. He's been a soldier. He's currently a small town sheriff, and he's he's just every crap mediocre white male wrapped into this one beautiful, beautiful large adult son of a man. <laughs> He's just... Oh my god, adult son is the best phrase. Yes, yeah. yeah. He, he is a he is a big round boy. Uh, he is. No matter oh how god. much CrossFit he does, he will never <laughs> not be mummy's special little treat boy. Yes. And um, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's deeply every... insecure. Oh yeah, hugely, constantly trying to prove himself through every means available. Mm-hmm. He's he's like a a stereotypical Trump voter. He's yeah, very much the white be Trump. Just mm-hmm. something that I thought was fascinating is that like because I wonder about you know Trump voters. I mean, I wonder about them a lot, but <laughs> like something he really exemplified was that no, they want to be him. Like this guy yeah. was talking about his political aspirations. He was like. Well, after this, it's mayor and then congressman, senator, maybe president. And I was like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. That's, and that's the wonderful thing about these guys who idolize Trump. Uh, like, people like Ben Wolf, he's like an Olympic swimmer, a soldier, a cop. He's like done stuff. He mm-hmm. Like, Donald Trump got, uh, like excused from the army on account of his mum gave him a note saying he was ill and <laughs> he's inherited all his money he's he's he's, he's never swam in his 
bone spurs, yeah. He can't tell which leg they're on. And he's ne- he's probably never swam. He he would he would float if he tried, but he, he would melt in the water. He yeah he could he cannot swim. <laughs> he doesn't pay attention to his body. He has the body of uh, Doctor Robotnik from the Sonic games, <laughs> and he hides it underneath these like ludicrously tailored suits that <laughs> attempt to hide this stuff. He's got the dumbest hair possible, and he yeah. And he doesn't know it. That's the that's the wonderful thing about like him when compared to Ben Wolf or well, the real the life guys. It's like that he is there no one around him that says anything. No, like or is someone so surrounded movie. by yes men their entire lives that they honestly get that get this far without someone being like, nah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't that's even need like, yes remar- men at this point. Like he get he get has everyone calling him the worst president ever and a traitor and a piece of crap all day, and he knows it, and he doesn't care. Yeah. He's like totally beyond all. Um, he doesn't live in a society anymore. It's just him. Yeah. He's the solipsist in chief, and that's it's, it's kind of hilarious, and it's kind of what our culture deserves, but not quite it's a bit more than we deserve really it's it's kind of excessive at this point it's yeah i was just thinking to myself like how bad does it have to get in order for people to realize that it's bad you know like Mm -hmm. how how far does this go before people are like oh wait this is bad and then it goes to good again you know and we realize like oh wait that thing was bad like how low do we go because we're living this right now, and I feel like a lot of us are just kind of like, I don't know, living in a state of perpetual like uh, being horrified. I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I've yeah. gone for irony poisoning myself. I just see all the madness around me and the disgusting inhumanity, and just go like, and I just like tweet, "Huh, normal country," and then I'm done. <sighs> Well, see, that would be cool, except that, like, sometimes I worry. I mean, okay, so the the day that as soon as we found out that Trump was elected, I had to comfort my crying wife because she says, what happens if our marriage isn't legal anymore? That's Mm -hmm. the reality I'm living in. So, like, irony land is awesome. (laughs) I've been there. But at the same time, it's like, okay. (laughs) Or it's like, it's getting to this point. I don't want to, I don't, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm like I'm far down the line of like intellectual disbelief. I'm well into like oh god, oh god, we're all going to die. So anyway, yeah. that's where I'm coming at this juncture. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. I can respect that. Um, <laughs> You're like valid. Okay, yeah, valid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow, so, that got heavy. Okay, yeah, go now, ahead, we can, now we let's, can, now we can, like, bring it back to, yeah, we'll just <laughs> deal with this, this nice, uh, like, light, um, little ro- peak of resk of a novel, and, um, <laughs> which doesn't deal with anything heavy at all, it's just people having fun and just hanging out in the Nobody getting setting. murdered. No murders, no, am- no amputations, uh, nothing. Nothing. It's just... Just no sunshine. spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it came out uh, as 
the day of we're recording, so we're not going to spoil anything. But it gets heavy, and it's if you know Beowulf, you know it's going to get heavy because that's the way the story goes. But um, I don't think you'll be prepared for quite how heavy it goes, and quite how badly people fuck themselves up, mostly over revenge, which is <clears throat> like the whole. Uh, plot is just tit for tat revenge on each other until everyone actually, messes up. I feel like I expected things to kind of end up worse than they did. I mean, you it know, ends this up tale bad. tend to go well for people, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't go in the direction that I originally expected. I'll say that. You, you expect like a meteorite to hit the Earth because. <laughs> no, I, I was expecting it like the actual story of Beowulf to play out like very in a very straight sense and it didn't. So yeah. That's true. It does it, it the... veers a little bit and yeah, it just it went in a slightly different direction. So hmm. that doesn't make it a happy happy story in any way. I just worked something out. And it's probably, it's not a spoiler because no one will understand this in context. The train is the dragon. Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. Diamond bullet right through the forehead. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But uh, that'll make sense to people once they read the book. Yeah. Uh, But um, yeah. Oh, man. Mind blown. That was good. Totally. I don't know if you guys are a bit sarcastic. You're just humoring me because of the. No, I, no, I really <laughs> had not thought of that. Also, because I didn't I really remember Beowulf that well. <laughs> oh, one of the other things I I noticed earlier today when I went back and looked at the like three translations at the beginning of the book for those three words. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the like. We discussed briefly before at one point uh, that the first word was what for warrior, and it was. Can you? What was it that you said, Gareth? Aglica. Yeah, and then that plus wife. Who? Yeah, is translated to like harpy or what is it? Um, uh, wrench, monster, monster hellbride. Yeah, hag. Hag. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, hag. Um, yes, I like hell. And how interesting it was that the that the um, those two words were so changed, and really it was just the like feminine version of hero is hag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and so then decided. <laughs> the third translation is what I, I looked up was so you know how it's. Like, okay, so when I was reading the book, I could not get Navi from um, Legend of Zelda out of my head. Did you guys play that, that game? Yeah, I didn't play okay. that. Because <laughs> there are so many instances of, listen, that I was like, oh, man. But then all of those different words that are, like, interjected in there all come from the same word, which looks like, um, like hey, wait, which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I only noticed now that those are the different translations of the chapter or section titles. Uh, so, um, oh, sorry. 
Uh, I've also noticed by searching the Encyclopedia Metallum that there are no bands named Hellbride. That one's uh-huh. still up. That one's still on the table. You can totally call your band Hellbride. Whoa. Whoa. I wish I was oh, a I musician. Wonder... <laughs> <laughs> you could just like, I don't know, take on a character and call yourself that. Yeah. <laughs> My new student. That's like way too lofty. <laughs> no, just become like a, a avenging misandrist vigilante and like beat up dudes who tell women to smile in the street. Nice. <gasps> oh, Hell. I am so in for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The calling. <laughs> the hell bride calling. So <laughs> Speaking of music, should we play some? Uh, because, you know, one of you is a record company owner, a high-powered yeah. record executive. And oh, um, we're going to... Yeah. So I looked through uh, the Tridroid Brat catalogue and saw the band Uprising, and they're good as fuck. So um, why don't you introduce them, and then we'll play one of their awesome songs. Sure thing. So uh, Uprising is a German one-man black metal project who chooses to remain anonymous and lets the words and music speak for themselves. And the lyrics are all about um, revolution, which is very, very timely right now. Mm -hmm. Damn right. And we're going to play a song called Gather the Dark Spirits. It's off Uprising by Uprising. It's on Tridroid, and you can go to tridroid.bandcamp.com to go get it, and a bunch of cool stuff. Like, we got uh, Void Ritual, who was Dan was on the show last week. Yeah. He's awesome, and um, a lovely person who gives his money to awesome charities who deserve it. There's Violet Cold from, is it Azerbaijan? He's Azerbaijan, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that guy is absolutely incredible i am so stoked that i have gotten to work with him Mm. and prolific he's like got a thousand um releases out and they're all really good uh a a little band people may have heard of called voivod um (laughs) and and tons of other stuff just like hundreds of releases here and they're all good and they're all on tape or album and you can buy them but here's Uprising, and this is Gather the Dark Spirits.
Okay, that was Go to Dark Spirits by Uprising, which is on Tridroid. And um, we're still talking about The Mere Wife by Rhea Devane Headley. Again, good as hell, and you should be going out and buying it, because you can do that now, since like it's on Amazon and stuff. So, And but... also your local bookstore. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> shit, sorry. I, I, t- I just like <laughs> verbally crossed the picket line then. Oh, man. I'm a scab. <laughs> yeah, don't get stuff on Amazon. It's horrible. It's an awful hell company. Don't buy anything from them. Buy them from the local <laughs> bookstore. Jeez. There's like even some like online places you can buy stuff if you like live in the woods or something. Yeah. Um, wow, like I do. Like for, hey, yeah. no, I, I've actually gotten into like ordering stuff online because I live miles from anything. So I very yeah. much... I don't have, like, you know, a grocery store a block away anymore. <laughs> so is there, like, alligators and stuff? Oh, yeah. Dude, dude, I have a canal in my, like, my backyard is a canal, and gators nice. hang out there. There Whoa. are two, and I've named them, or my wife and I have named them. There is um, there is the waiting gator, which is a smaller gator who just kind of, like, goes up and down the canal to see if there is any food around. And then um, there is this other gator, and now I can't remember what we call him, but he comes right up to the dock and basically begs for food because I think people have fed that gator too much. He's also, also much bigger. Yeah, so we've got two gators. We've also got lots of lizards um, who hang out on our porch. Um, what else have we got? Lots of dragonflies. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Wow. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. You have like a, a dog-like gator who just begs for food. Like an enormous, <laughs> horrifying dog. <laughs> yeah, it's actually kind of scary. Because like, <laughs> dogs don't want to get that close to you. And yeah. like, uh, if it continues, you know, like, that's bad. Um, but... <laughs> Interestingly enough, like you can call the wildlife agency and they'll wrangle the gator and then give it to like a, I don't know, a sanctuary or like just uh, put it somewhere its fingers go. <laughs> uh-huh. Wrangle yeah. is like they'll get down and just like wrestle him, like Steve Irwin style. Uh, I, you know, I haven't seen it happen, so I'm not entirely sure how gator wrangling works in actuality as opposed to like television. Um, yeah. But... Okay. I don't know. Okay. Ostensibly... Yeah, gators. <laughs> okay. Ostensibly, this is a literary podcast, so we're going to have to talk about books. But gators <laughs> are really awesome. Agreed. Right. Okay. Yeah. So... Well, the book has a lot about monsters, so. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's oh, a good, yeah. good good segue. Good segue. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Just <laughs> always was... thinking about monsters. You know, yeah. yeah, you're so goth. Yeah, can't help it. <laughs> My AOL Instant Messenger screen name was Monster Stuff. Yes, <laughs> was what? Monster Stuff. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. So my goth girl high school aim thing was Cersei six two seven. That's nice. so good. And yeah. so nineties. Love it. And yeah. I didn't okay. have one because I lived in a tiny village and literally knew everyone 
uh, I could like walk and talk to everyone I would ever know for about 20 years of my life. And um, cool. yeah, cool. no, it's not cool. That's it's terrible. <laughs> it's a, it's no, it's no way to live. But um, anyway, me a wife. Uh, me a wife. Yeah. So we've mentioned it's about monsters, and that's gonna strike people as kind of obvious because it's a Beowulf retelling, Grendel monster. I mean, supposedly in in the translation, it's kind of ambiguous what he actually is, and especially what his his mother is and what the dragon has to do with any of them and it's all kind of up in the air for translation and uh, Maria Devana Headley is doing her own translation of Beowulf because I know she's just always kicking ass and um, she's maybe I she'll... can't wait for that that's going to be yeah. incredible hmm. because I mean even just the the little things that she put into this book were I don't know. I trust her implicitly with this translation. Mm-hmm. Even with the three little words in Old English that she translated at the beginning really kind of set the tone for like what kind of um trans like what kind of translator she's going to be. And I'm stoked to see it. Yeah. Me too. So yeah. in terms of monsters, so I think like the summing up of what this book's like about about is a deconstruction of the idea of a monster and a hero. Mm-hmm. Taking those two ideas, counterposing them, seeing that actually they're totally meaningless uh, in <clears throat> contemporary America. Because everyone's a monster, everyone's a hero. Therefore, no one's a monster, no one's a hero. It's um, uh, what I call uh, Syndrome's Law, after... The, the Incredibles, ah. and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's not. It's it's kind of derived from Derrida, but he, uh, I think The Incredibles perfected that idea. <laughs> and, um, well, you know what's some... interesting is that I was thinking that you know we say in, in modern times one can't say who is the hero and who's the monster, but honestly, who's to say who the heroes and monsters were back then too? Because Essentially, like I, I'm really interested in this translation also because I feel like Headley is going to make it pretty clear that language has a lot to do with who we see as heroes and monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, slight word transcription, slight changes can change the tone of an entire work. Um, yeah. And it'll be really interesting to see what a diff- what her translation is going to kind of lend to this dialogue because... I was thinking, like, you know, if history is always written by the victors, then, you know, men telling, you know, men telling their own stories is always going to make a certain kind of person the hero and another person the hag. Yeah. Uh, so I just I just think it's interesting to think, like, is that a modern thing or has, has it always kind of been this really ambiguous soup? I don't know. Yeah, I mean the the two main women in here are so mi- mixed up, and a lot of their suffering comes from men, and um, and yet they're still like they're never victims. They're always fully people. Uh, they get to be kind of heroic. They get to be 
totally messed up. Uh, Willa is... I think when we last recorded this, I compared her to um, Betty Draper from Mad Men. Yeah. That was still... I I can, like, only see... um, What's her name? Uh, January Jones as Willa. Oh, that'd be some really expert casting. Oh, I'm the best at casting my books. Every book I read (laughs) is brilliantly cast. Um, Oh, who's... So who's playing the roles in this one. Well, I'm glad you asked. And, uh, <laughs> that wasn't a setup at all. <laughs> it was not. Um, okay, so. Uh, yeah, January Jones Willa. I don't think that's a little too obvious. I was thinking also mm. maybe Reese Witherspoon. Ah. She's a surprisingly good dramatic actor at times. And, um, you know, she's, she's pretty smart too. Uh, yeah. For, for Dana, I was thinking Emily Blunt, because she's good at huh? acting sad and angry. And she's she's very, like, um, if you ever saw that film, um, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and aliens and yeah. time travel, she's very buff. She looks like a soldier, or she can do. Huh. And, uh... Ooh, you know who'd be totally badass is Dana Mills, too, would be Lena Headey, Cersei Lannister. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She well, she it. played Sarah in the um, in that Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles show, and she's actually right. tough and buff as hell. Okay, yeah. yeah. And she one may not know, she's cool like tattoos. draped all in like royal shit. <laughs> yeah. Was okay. Dana? Um, was she white though? I'm because I'm there's a scene here. where like Willa when. I don't think this is a spoiler. There's a scene where one of the other mothers accuses Willa of being racist for wanting Dana and her oh. son to leave. Okay. And it's, it's not, and, it's, and Willa's like, no, it's not that. You know, there's something like that. Whoa, I just realized how, like, I completely fell into that, um, that, casting thing where <laughs> where like a character isn't even written as white and as a white person I'm seeing them that way oh my gosh well I, I actually uh, knew that she, uh, she wasn't white but I'm so good at casting that I whitewash things like pretty much automatically <laughs> oh I'm just that good at casting so what you're saying is that we should we should just cast Scarlett Johansson and be done with it oh, oh right yeah. Scarlett Johansson all, is every female character and non-female character <laughs> yeah. just every, every character and of every race, she's and, most yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, yeah. uh, Tim, uh, Timothy Chal that 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 one kid uh, for Grendel Gren. But um, and, <laughs> anyway, but uh, enough of my casting. So let's notes. just whitewash the whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> it's gonna be all albinos. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, going back to its its themes and its big ideas, apart from the monster stuff, what uh, what else is in here? Well, we talked about masculinity a little in the, uh, because Ben Wolf is a Trump voter, but I think that, you know, I think toxic masculinity shows up 
a lot of times in the book also with the sons. I mean, because they're affected as they're affected by toxic masculinity. Um, and we see like these different ways that they reject it and sometimes lean into it. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Willa, the, the wealthy son, the kind of prince character becomes like a rebellious goth teen, which was really great. Uh, you know, he wears eyeliner, he's cool. <laughs> I totally would have um, dated him in high school, even though same. I turned out gay. He's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the book says that he dates a lot of women, even though he's not straight, you know, <laughs> uh, he's just so damn attractive. He's just yeah, so attractive. Proves my point it's that so everyone was having sex in high school except me. <laughs> you know, I like that's always something I find interesting too. And I don't know, it seems like teen shows and teen books are always about like having sex. And I was like, I wasn't having sex in high school, but I don't know, yeah. maybe I was the weirdo. <laughs> no, I think I think it's it's just the media uh, <laughs> pretending that that's like that everyone ubiquitous. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think, yeah, lots of people are not getting laid in high school. High school is terrible all the time, no matter what you do. So, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, especially in the burbs, um, which yeah. is where this is also taking place. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and of course, us like, like weirdo suburban kids become super goth in high school and rebel in that way and wear eyeliner. Yeah. Because what else are you going to do? There's nothing to do. No. <laughs> Except, like, try to run away to the mountains when you're seven or however old he's supposed to be. That's not a spoiler, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I did I mean, actually not... run away to the, the... My town had a lot of, like, uh, very old-growth forest around it, and I did like, run away there sometimes. Have you guys ever heard of the Beast of Bodmin? No, what's that? It's a it's a British cryptid, um, kind of like the British, well, not Bigfoot because it's a cat, but um, mm. basically a, a long time ago, some uh, circus let, let out a bunch of uh, panthers and uh -huh. they were a breeding couple and they got into like the, the woods kind of in around my forest. And uh, I think when I ran away into the forest one time, I think I may have seen one and it like did that kind of like panther growl at me. Oh my God, that's so, so awesome! Yeah. More, I've had a, a con I've contact with a, a mythological creature. Well, it wasn't mythological because it was just like a panther that's real. But uh, <laughs> no, that's so cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That is, I one the one time I ran away, um, my parents didn't even notice I was gone for like the fifteen minutes I was gone. So. <laughs> I really don't have a good story. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah, I think I also, like, I tried to run away in the woods by my house in Virginia, but I just kind of, like, packed up some stuff and, like, went and sat outside for a little while, like, until I got cold. <laughs> and then I, like, went home. That's, I feel like every suburban kid has done that. It's yeah. <laughs> so embarrassing. They're like, I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah. no mate. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> hey, don't and then there's nowhere to go. 
But I guess in rural UK, you run into a panther cryptid. Yeah, that's a way better story. Yeah. If you'd you'd probably run away in Virginia, you would definitely have seen some weird shit. There's so much stuff in the woods there. (laughs) You just didn't run away properly. You should try to that. I didn't go far enough. (laughs) Yeah, just go. You get a Bigfoot, you get a goat man, there'll be a Jersey Devil, there'll oh, be all God. kinds of stuff. It'll be great. Jersey, bro. <laughs> You're mixing they, all of your American they've been, and... they've been seen in, it could be a Chupacabra, um, you know, there's, uh-huh. there's play in Louisiana too, you you watch out. There's, oh, you know. there's, around here there's the Loop Guru, yeah, or the Roo Guru, actually. Ooh. Wait, what's there a Roo Guru? Loop Guru. Derived from the French, so it's the same thing. It's just the Cajun way of speaking. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. So, like, it's you know, it's used in the same way. It's like, don't do this, little child, or the Rougarou is gonna get you. Oh. Yeah. Um, it's like a wolfman, isn't it, or like a big dog creature? No, it's a werewolf. I mean, a loop garou is a, is oh, like a werewolf. right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, and. Like the in the mere wife, that mountain that they're on is it? I don't think that does it get a name at any point. The mountain is just called the mountain, right? Oh, indeed. Yeah, yeah well, I think you're right. It's just called it's like, yeah. Yeah, it's like the weirdest mountain I, I've yet encountered in fiction because it's got it's like full of all these tunnels and it's got a train station inside and these massive underground lakes and it's that reminds me i have a question i think Mm -hmm. this is like a like a british question about the word mirror i kind of had to look it up because that's not something i'm used to hearing i mean in terms of you know it's meaning about like a body of water Hmm. and then so yeah um, (laughs) yeah it it just It just means lake. I don't know why some some lakes are called like something lake. Some things will be called something mere. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of. I think it's. Uh, I think it's. Uh, oh, that's a Germanic. Like, uh, yeah. That's a Germanic derivation, and that because yeah, but it's spelled hmm, N E R. Yeah, yeah uh, I think it's the uh, original. It's a hmm. Low German derived. Oh. Wow, I'm a nerd. Woo! <laughs> yeah, you don't see many um, mirrors like in the south where I grew up, but where I live now uh-huh. in the north, where there's more of like a Viking influence. Yeah. And they've got the like Germanic and stuff. They and like Beowulf and his Danish right. or whatever. Yeah, they there's a lot of, there's a there's a mirror near my office, and there's quite a few mirrors around here. Oh, cool! And, um, wow. Yeah. So the title is a kind of a pun. For uh-huh. yeah, right. small. Yeah, yeah it, it it it's a pun that refers to both characters. The mere wife being Willa, because she's a, a, the little wife, but obviously she isn't. The, and yeah. the wife of the mere being Dana. Oh, yeah. I hadn't even. Whoa! I don't know why that had not occurred to me. Yes, Very it's uh, the titles referring to both of them. <sighs> yeah, it's. Yeah, uh, that's very cool. But yeah, part of my confusion was when I tried to look up just a definition of mirror as a body of water, the definition I got said it, it meant like a like a really shallow body of water, which is not I guess. how it's used in the book. And it was like, I don't yeah, know. It's not even used that in like geography around here. It's, that's okay. A mirror is just a lake. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes okay. more sense. Okay. 
Solved. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, my uh, stupid country has turned to, into something good there. So, yeah, I'm glad I could have been of help to our former colonial uh, subjects. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All, all for literature. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, another kind of theme, I think, was, it, and it, was, it kind of runs parallel to the monster and hero thing, is like uh, civilization versus barbarism or savagery or whatever you want to call the, like, not civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got, like, Herat Hall and the Mountain, and you've got Dana, who's an ex-soldier who's had terrible shit happen to her in the war and who's come back <coughs> and she's gone beyond civilization she lives on the mountain uh, willa is very much part of civilization she's in the town it is it's, it's there's all these um dichotomies all the way through this in the title like we said yeah and, um it yeah it's it's very structured around like dualisms and oh yeah mm-hmm. things it's like shot through with them it's like a you could give this to like college students teach them about structuralism because yeah. it's just yeah. this would be a great like oh gosh far you know i'm thinking about like the reading list we had to go through in high school and i'm like ooh, i don't know if i want to do that to a book but honestly there's so <laughs> much to discuss with it that i mean it really could be incorporated into some kind of like a teaching kind of tool mm-hmm. instead of reading the original one because we don't need to read that anymore. Yeah, <laughs> over it. Yeah, I'm not sure yeah. why Why do American schools teach Beowulf? Like, because I, it was I, the I first modern recorded, well, it was the first like recorded English literature, right? Well, they didn't teach in England. Uh, like, that's what I was going to say. Why the hell do you not, why don't you have this? <laughs> yeah, why did you get out of this? I had to like learn it in seventh to, grade and then again in senior high school. Yeah. They have to force us to read everything Charles Dickens ever wrote. Oh God. So there's not enough space for Beowulf. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez, see I didn't get out of either of these things. And we have to read Shakespeare in school. So Yeah, okay, we did Shakespeare too, yeah. And yeah. occasionally you'll get like me a, a cool teacher <laughs> who wants to do like Angela Carter. Oh, what did I went to what see. did you read by her? Uh, oh god, I can't remember the the, the like short stories with the, oh, the, the bloody. This chamber. was like when I was. I think so. Yeah. Bloody chamber. Yeah. Yeah, bloody chamber. yeah, that's the best. Awesome. I barely remember it. And thank you for bringing it up because I was remembering that when I was uh, reading the book, it reminded me of two of my favorite like feminist subversive fiction authors, which are Angela Carter and Kathy Acker, both of whom took older texts and um, redid them with a completely different vision. And I think that this book falls very favorably into that category. And yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm kind of easy to please like, but this is exactly (laughs) like this book was exactly in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, same. Yeah, and I haven't read Kafiaka, and obviously I've only read Angela Carter in school, so I, I didn't get those comparisons out of it. But it's, yeah, it it was my shit. It was like, 
even though this was clearly not a book for me, this is a book about how mediocre white males like myself are generally quite bad. <laughs> it's, um, I still was like totally connected to this. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, yeah, it, it's, it, and it's beautifully written, which we it haven't really brought up yet. It's, it's so well wet, written. And yeah. Yeah, there's really, the prose is really amazing because it's very lyrical, but it's not, and we talked about this uh, at a point earlier, it's, um, but it's still very clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it, it incorporates some like, um, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, yeah. It incorporates some magical, realistic elements, um, but it's, it's a, it is a very like concrete read, um, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it doesn't. It the thing is, it's clearly like a little bit not fairy taleish, but I don't know saga like in mm-hmm. in construction. But it doesn't really veer off into that like um, unreadable uh, purple prose kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. I just reread one of the Andrew Lang fairy tale books, and because um, I was feeling nostalgic I guess and uh very hard to read (laughs) oh no you know those Victorian fairy tales are just like rough are they all like uh, crazily violent and like the children get like sticks stabbed in their eyes because they didn't eat their vegetables or something sometimes that happens one thing that inspired me and also that uh you know I feel like is relevant to the mere wife is that so many of these fairy tales just involve women having to marry like terrible objects or creatures and like <laughs> a lot of the time the, the creature or or inanimate object turns into like a prince or like a handsome male like at night or after the wedding or something but yeah. it's crazy how many of the stories are just like here's a beautiful princess or peasant girl but she's beautiful and she has to marry some terrible thing that's not human. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, oh, <laughs> okay. And yeah, and then sometimes it turns out well, like, great. <laughs> yeah, like, well, congrats. He's actually handsome. So good job doing what you're told. And now you're rewarded. Life lessons. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the Disney princess I related most to when I was growing up was definitely Belle from Beauty and the Beast because she was bookish, right? Yeah, of course. And I was totally in love with the Beast. I mean, so that's an imprint that I have for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. He was was pretty hot. So, yeah. And he had a big library, you know, like what else is there? That's what it was. The library um, and all the books and the uh, sliding ladder. That was yeah. what really, that, that was, was very what sexy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And in The Mere Wife, we have uh, Dana, who doesn't, has post-traumatic stress disorder and doesn't remember who the father of her son is. So we don't know, but there's this kind of like, I mean because she's been through trauma, there's kind of this, like, monstrousness about the not knowing. Yeah, well, and 
what I really liked too was the the kind of uh, religious symbolism involved, like almost immaculate conceptiony at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, just like the, the like super common trope of making a, a hero like having a, a, yeah, an immaculate con- conception, whether that's yeah. like G- Jesus or uh, Anakin Skywalker. Right. They're mm-hmm. all, no one has like a, yeah, heroes always are like orphans or they're immaculately conceived. So right. it makes mm-hmm. Grendel that just that little bit more supernatural than, than he mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't even sure through most of the book if he was fully human. Like, he wasn't people... either, and I think that was a big part of the. Yeah, that was part of it too. Go on. Yeah, I think it was like deliberately ambiguous because mm, yeah. we don't get it. We never get like an explicit physical description of him, except for like some broader descriptions that Dana says in the beginning. Um, no. We get see people. What I realized him. is. We... Yeah, I was going to say, we only get reactions of him. We get, like, impressions of him. Like, yeah. through the eyes of Dana. Yeah. And then she's, like, seeing it through mom vision, you know, so she's, like, very sensitive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I thought that was really interesting. It was, it was clever how that, how she did that. Mm, yeah. So. Oh, and then there was the uh, references to the Christian mystic, uh, Juliana of Norwich. Um, oh, I went to school in Norwich. Really? It's, it's, yeah, it's pronounced Norwich, by the way. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Super, yeah. No, please, like... I, but I, I, didn't, I didn't see the, uh, I any of those. I, Wait, but, I don't uh, remember this either. Can yeah. you tell me what oh, it said? It was, uh, all, all is well and will be well. Oh, um, that was that was her, right? Okay, I, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, so she was a like pretty revolutionary Christian mystic who said that you know God isn't this scary or I don't know. She somehow said that I think God wasn't as scary as we're making him out to be or something. Like she um, took on essentially the church and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe she was beautified later on. Um, mm. But yeah, basically she said, like, stuff is actually really nice. Which <laughs> yeah, was revolutionary in her time. She was the first woman ever published in the English language. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah. Oh, I, that, I, well, that yeah, ties I, it right in, doesn't it? Amazing. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. it does. Because, yeah, wow. she's um, kind of like a proto-feminist hero and in Norwich she's like there's stuff about her everywhere there's like um I used to go to a pub that was right by her her hermitage where she used to sit in a little cell great great pies in that pub (laughs) I was gonna say so what you're saying is we should we should uh remake Beowulf at that pub yeah Yeah. it would be very bring it back um, yeah just bring it right back to that, that one pub I used to go to. Good jukebox. Uh, yeah, just really good pub. Uh, so, But, yeah, I, I totally didn't see uh, Julia of Norwich there. But um, yeah, it's, it's been a while the since I... Is that the, the references are pretty small. Like, the all is well and will be well is the biggest thing in there. And then, like, her ideas are kind of threaded throughout. But it's... I don't know. I, I definitely had to Google a bit to pick up on a lot of it. Yeah. I wonder if I read this again, I'll, I'll see a bunch of that more stuff, because that was 
it could be could be a key could be important could be a yeah well reading her reading about um reading about her really kind of puts the book a little bit more in perspective because it it gives kind of a philosophical system to Dana Mills um, and in in the way that she's raising Gren uh, because they they uh, they take on that um, somewhat I guess that philosophy awesome okay I'm gonna yeah I'll check I'll check that one I'll run down that particular lead um, cool <coughs> so I think in summation, uh, go as fast as you possibly can to your nearest independent bookstore and get The Mere Wife, because it's good as hell. It's so oh. damn good. And so many layers. We're, like, just in this conversation, I learned, like, five new things about this book. Same. <laughs> Same. <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to be, like, I wouldn't normally recommend a book club, but uh, a book club could... Uh, yeah, get a lot of mileage out of this one. Mm-hmm. It really lends itself to discussion, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, go out and buy this really quickly and read um, the translation of Beowulf that's going to be coming out in 2019. And um, also come back next week because uh, we're going to go totally the opposite direction. <laughs> We're going to read probably the worst thing I've ever read in my entire life. Um, it's called Trigger Warning. It's the dumbest shit you'll ever read. It's all, it's all your grandparents' uh, baby boomer memes about Antifa terrorists <laughs> and college memes. kids. Yeah, it's 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 just a it's just boomer memes strung together into a narrative, and it's. It's amazing, and it's so badly done on every level, on the level of prose, structure. The structure is just the main character gets beaten up by Antifa thugs on his uh, college campus. Oh. He, get, he gets uh, called into the principal's or dean's office to get told that he's he deserved the beating, and then he says, I didn't because freedom... And then he goes back, and the Antifa <laughs> folks beat him up again. My God! <laughs> it, it, it just bounces back and forth between he him getting beaten up by and by masked Antifa folks and getting told that he's a racist. And then wait, says, so this actually sounds know. like a fun read because I mean, if the asshole gets beat down all the time, he, yeah, right. he does. He he's like a he's like a badass uh, special forces operator, so Ugh. he doesn't ever get beaten up because. There's, and there's like these like ten page long descriptions of fights no. uh, that I just flick all the way through because like nothing happens. There's no development in the fight. It's just like he'll either win. He'll he just wins after ten pages. So it's like young Ben Wolf, <sighs> Ben Wolf in college. Oh yeah, oh. It, it's totally the, the guy he wants to be. Ugh. And uh, it's yeah, it's terrible. I love it. It's given <laughs> me cancer. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> Um, Everyone should read your Twitter feed, though, because you've been posting really funny excerpts of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, you can, I could just randomly pick a page. They're all that good. <laughs> um, yeah, so we'll come back next week. It'll be me, uh, Langdon, who's usually here, uh, 
Joe Frash and Kill from Toilet of Hell podcast. He'll be on that show as well. And then uh, the week after, we're going to, into actual literature again because we're going to do uh, The Incendiaries um, by R.O. Kwon, I believe is her name. Uh, that's like been hyped up for like the past year. So I'm really hoping it's good. It's about North Korea. So uh, get to I'm get excited some... to read that. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've heard good things. And so, yeah, come back for that one. But um, we're going to play out the episode with a song. (coughs) 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 Uh, Edit that. Um, Good song. Yeah, that was a a good one. Um, (laughs) (coughs) So it's going to be a song by a band called Nibuin. I haven't heard them either, but they're good. They're kind of screamo. Uh, shout out to uh, Kim Kelly of Vice Magazine for recommending this one on her column. And um, it, this is the song Raided off their album Breathing. I know nothing about them. They're a screamo band from central Michigan. And that's all there is about it. And it just is a good song. So yeah, check it out. And check out um, Christine's stuff via Tridroid. Because her website is up now. We can go there and buy loads of tapes and records and t-shirts and all kinds of stuff. Cookies. uh, (laughs) You can buy (laughs) like furniture from her house. (laughs) You can just buy tons of stuff. It's going to be great. And uh, check out the address column in Unwinnable because that's also really good. And Unwinnable is just a good site in general. Yes, subscribe to Unwinnable. They're amazing. They are so amazing. <laughs> intelligent commentary on video games. What more yeah. could you ask for from life? <laughs> and yeah, read me a wife. And here's Nibuin. <laughs> 